The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. What a time to be alive. I never thought that I would see the day in America where a former sitting U.S. president is completely banned and outlawed on all forms of media, social media, and every news platform. However, we will let the Taliban have a foothold and a platform on social media. We will let them have a Twitter account. And we will interview them on the news and get their take on things and listen to them. Yo, this is bizarre, man. This is absolutely insane and crazy. I just I can't fathom how we came to this in America where we will ban a sitting U.S. president. But give the mic to the Taliban. Man, it's <laughs> Woo, 2021. You are coming in hot and strong, man. But yes, yes, yes. What a time to be alive. So Afghanistan has fallen to the Taliban once again. And you see, things in Afghanistan are bad right now. But we don't know exactly how bad they are. And we will not know for a couple more months. There was an article that was released the other day that stated that Al-Qaeda is expected to be back up and fully operational in Afghanistan in about six months. The whole reason we went to Afghanistan was to fight terrorism and the root out terror in the world. The whole reason behind it and to get bin Laden. And now that we have withdrawn our foothold, they are back in power, they are back operating, and America is not safe. Why is America not safe? Because if you throw in the fact that also, with this current administration and this debacle in Afghanistan, we have the debacle at the border. Our borders are open. We are being overrun at the southern border. And guess what? This is a prime time for terrorists to infiltrate our country through the southern border. Dex, you're being extreme. That's not what's really going to happen. I worked the border for about six months. I can tell you for a fact, we have caught people of Middle Eastern descent and Indians and Pakistanis that have come to America by way of the southern border. This is not an exaggeration. This happens. It happens all the time, actually. And so now we have Al-Qaeda to contend with, as well as the Taliban and open borders. The Biden administration right now is an absolute disaster. Now, I heard somebody say the other day, there's no Biden supporters, only Trump haters. And I absolutely agree with that statement. I don't know too many people that are like, oh, I'm very proud to have voted for President Biden. He's doing a wonderful job. You know, the mental gymnastics one has to do to arrive at that with everything the Biden administration has done thus far is beyond me. And how people put a positive spin on, I don't know. That's, you know what, people come to their own conclusions by their own means, I guess. Me, I'm just sitting back watching this train wreck. Crying for the men and women who have fought in Afghanistan for the last 20 years, the Gold Star families that have lost a loved one, and those that have shed their blood on the field in Afghanistan. You know, I talked about all this briefly on the 
my previous podcast, The War on Terror, 20 years later. And I'm still kind of torn and I see both sides of the argument. But regardless of how I see this thing, what we have in front of us right now is a bad situation being made even worse by a bad and absent president in a bad administration. You know, one of my favorite people and one of the podcasts I listen to a lot is Jocko Willick's podcast. For those that don't know, Jocko Willick is a former Navy SEAL. He has a podcast called the Jocko Podcast. Phenomenal. Talks a lot about leadership, has a lot of interesting guests on people and reads a lot of books and learns about history and whatnot. Man, Jocko's book, one of my favorite books is Extreme Extreme Ownership. And this book is, as you would think, it is about leaders and how leaders are to take ownership of any and every and all things. We have to be extreme in our ownership of things, the good and the bad, regardless of. When you're in a leadership position and what people don't realize about leadership is some people think that because you have a title such as president, sergeant, you know, major, lieutenant, colonel, whatever, or because you have some stripes on your shoulders that you're a leader, the title or stripes that you wear do not make you a leader. It has nothing to do with leadership qualities. And one sure sign we have right now that we do not have a leader in the White House. We just have a senile old man. Key sign that somebody is not a true leader is that they are ready to pawn off on their predecessor all the bad things, which is exactly what President Biden has done. He has taken no responsibility for any of this. You are the leader of the free world. You are the leader of one of the strongest and most dominant countries in the world. However, You hate Donald Trump so much, but you can't but help to pass off this mess on him saying that you inherited his plan. No, this is your plan. This is your mess and you need to own it, Mr. President. You can't just take the good and then just discard the bad and try to show yourself in a positive light. No, this is all your mess. This dude has been in politics since what I believe the early 70s. He was a sitting senator when Vietnam came to an end in 75 and Saigon fell. And lo and behold, here he is again, not as a senator, but sitting at the head of the table of the country, watching this chaos unfold. And this man cannot even take responsibility for any of it. Any of it. You are the leader. That is your job. You take responsibility for it, good and the bad. And you know what makes it even worse? You. This is how you know things are really, really bad for the Biden administration right now. Even the media... The left leaning, far left crazy media is turning on the Biden administration. I just saw an article that was published on CNN politics. It says President Joe Biden is struggling against an intensifying examination of his judgment, competence and even his empathy over the chaotic U.S. exit from Afghanistan. In each attempt, the administration makes to quell a fervor that's tarnishing America's image only provokes more questions about its failures. Holy goodness, man. Wow. You know it's bad when CNN, one of his greatest allies that used to throw him all these softball questions. CNN is now turning on this man and his administration. Folks, we are in trouble. And another question. Where in the heck is the vice president? Where is Kamala Harris? I have not seen her on TV at all whatsoever. I've not seen a press conference or any. I've not heard a word from her. This is bad. See, President Biden is the face of the nation. But as you all know, 
he is not the man in charge or leading. He's just the face. The man is clearly gone. But yes, he's the president. So I'm still going to put this burden on his shoulders to carry. You signed up for the job. You take it. You're going to take the ride, my man. You're going to take the ride. And like I said, he promised that what happened in Vietnam and Saigon in 1975 would not happen again. And the exact same thing happened. It's not probably worse, you could say. You know, and and as much as I do put the blame on President Biden for this withdrawal and how things have gone down. I can't put everything on him and say that if Trump was in office, this wouldn't happen. It's easy to say, but that's not the reality we're li living with and dealing with right now. I do believe that Afghanistan was going to fall eventually. It was inevitable. And the thing is, I tell people, I don't have a problem with us pulling out of Afghanistan. I just hate the way that we went about it. It's like we disappeared overnight, tucked and run. And we did not do anything for our soldiers and the citizens, American citizens there and all of our assets and those Afghans that have worked for us for the last 20 years. You know, that that really upsets me. These people have put their lives, lives on the line, their families on the line for America for 20 years and for their country as well. You know, just to have them be abandoned in the middle of the night. And now they're just flocking to the airport trying to get out of country because of the American leadership and the military and politics right now did not care enough about these people to do the right thing. You know, and the bad part of this is that it did not have to go down like this. It didn't. There is a way to withdraw from a country. And let me say, I'm not a military strategist. I'm not. I'm not a foreign policy diplomat. None of that. I just operate on common sense. We had enough manpower and equipment and firepower in country to help people get to the airport before we decide to do a major drawdown like this. You know, we could have took our time and got the word out and got people to safety. But for some odd reason, since there's no leadership in this country or in the military right now, we left with our tails tucked between our legs. And we left in a such a disgraceful way, such an embarrassing way, a way that dishonors the men and women that died and fought on that land. That's unforgivable, man. That's it's it's awful. Absolutely awful. And not only that, we just pretty much gifted the Taliban six million billion dollars worth of equipment. I mean, I'm talking thousands of vehicles. I saw something like like two 200 MRAPs, uh, mine resistant vehicles. Man, they have hundreds of aircraft, drones, tons of weapons and other equipment such as night vision goggles and so on. All of this stuff. And you know what? Somebody needs to be held accountable. Somebody has to step up and be a leader. Somebody has to step up and say, hey, this is on me. This is my fault. But as I know from my experience in the being in the military and in the army as a lower enlisted, I know that's not going to happen with the high brass in the military. Nobody wants to take up for this debacle. Nobody's going to want to take ownership of it because that is not a thing that typically happens with high chain of command in the military. Let me ask you, if you were like me in the E3 or below and you lose a weapon or you lose a piece of sensitive equipment, do you know what happens? The entire base gets shut down. Nobody's leaving. Nobody's coming. 
until that e piece of equipment is found and accounted for, you will be locked down on that base until it is found or until they come to some other conclusion. But since this was six billion dollars worth of equipment and people are trying to abstain themselves from this, nobody stepping up and taking responsibility for it, which is asinine. Man, if that had been to me as a private or somebody else that was lower enlisted, man, they would have their ass handed to them over and over and over again. The sharks would come out and they would swirl around this lower enlisted person and it would be the end of their career and their life if a lower enlisted person had made this mistake. So there is a privilege that comes with having rank. But at the same time, leadership is what is supposed to step into this void right now and take up. And we have nobody leading right now in this country or in the military. And that is asinine. Shoot, I remember when I was in boot camp, we had just got back from our field, our FTX, our final field exercise before we graduated boot camp. I remember I made it all the way back to the barracks. Man, lo and behold, I realized that a piece of my Miles gear that we used to play Op 4 and play war with each other was missing. You know what we did? We marched back out to the field and we did not come back until I we, until somebody found that piece of Miles gear that was missing. And guess who was whose fault it was? Mine. Guess who was responsible? Me. If little old me, Private First Class Dexter Pitts can take up responsibility and be held personally responsible and liable for a piece of Miles gear that's probably a hundred hundred bucks. Why can't one of these generals or somebody in charge or a politician, somebody step up and be a man or a woman or be whatever. Just somebody step up and take lead and take charge of this mess. This is absolutely ridiculous. So guess what? If we ever have to go back, now we're going to be fighting against our own equipment, just like we did last time in the 80s. What happened in the 80s? What? Russia invaded. And guess what we did? We supplied Afghanistan and the Mujahideen with all equipment and training. And it came back to bite us in the ass. So I think it's time for America to get out of the whole nation building thing and fighting proxy wars. I'm sure that's way above my pay grade, but does not seem like it, like it has worked out for us well thus far. Because we make a mess, we keep having to go back and clean up the mess and fight people that we train, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know, you would have thought that America had learned from Vietnam or these other conflicts, but apparently we have some of the dumbest leaders. I'm not even calling them leaders, dumbest people leading the country. This country, man, we deserve better. The Afghan assets and the people that worked for us for 20 plus years deserve better. Our dead and fallen comrades that died on the battlefield deserve better. The Gold Star families deserve better. And this country is not giving them their best. And to make things even worse, there's still like 15,000 American citizens that have been left behind that are still in country. 15,000, man. And we don't have a plan. It is our duty. It is our sworn duty to bring all of our men and women and children that are American home. That's our sworn. We leave no man behind. But somehow we have managed to leave 15,000 Americans behind. You know, it, one thing we used to do in the army when we would go out on patrols or like when we were out in the field practicing, we would have these choke points. You have a sergeant on one side and a sergeant on the other. And then you would have the guys walk through the sergeants and the sergeant would physically touch you and count one, two, three, and so on until however many people he has in his squad that he's in charge of. And when you're done running your op, you come back, set up another choke point, and you walk through and they physically put hands on you again and count one, two, three, and so on. 
to verify that we have everybody and nobody has been lost or left behind or nobody got snatched up. Such a simple concept, but my God, I'm just beyond upset, man. Just, I've, I've lost too many friends over in Afghanistan. I've never fought there myself personally, but I know people that have died over there. It just breaks my heart to see and hear all of this going on. The thing that also makes it worse is you can't sit here and tell me that the administration did not know that all this was going to happen. It, they knew months ago that the Taliban was moving in. They, they had intel reports stating that the Taliban was taking over other key parts of Afghanistan and cities over the last few months. So you can't sit here and tell me that this just happened all of a sudden. Afghanistan did not just fall all of a sudden in 48 hours. It, it was a slow and methodical process. This didn't just happen overnight. We get intel reports in. We knew it. Just like with uh, World War II and Pearl Harbor, we were warned. People warned us, but we did not listen. And guess what? We suffered for it. And we lost thousands of lives because of it. Hopefully, we can get all our people out without losing lives. But, man, you know, just seeing the chaos at the airport, man, people clinging on to airplanes, trying to get out of country. God, man, just chaos. I, I seen a video yesterday of a lady putting her baby up over a, a barricaded wall with a barbed wire, giving it to a Marine just to get her kid a chance and a shot at life. Man, this is not the America that it was when we started this war 20 years ago. And, you know, regardless of how we started the war and how we ended it, I hear so many people. Everybody's got an opinion about how this thing should have gone down and. You know, whether we should have stayed or, you know, whether we should go. And I, not, I'm always open to hear arguments. Me, I'm okay with us leaving. But like I said, I don't like the way we left. But I've also heard the argument that, hey, why are we leaving? Why don't we just keep a small contingent of soldiers there to keep the Taliban in check? You know, and I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, we still have troops in South Korea. We've had troops there since the 50s. We've had the same troops in Europe since World War II. So that is not an invalid argument. That's a very good, valid argument. I, I say I don't know all the particulars of bringing them home or keeping them there. I mean, you can make that argument on each side. Honestly, I don't think anybody's wrong in either opinion. Me, I'm of the thought of, you know what? Yeah, let's bring our boys home. It's been long enough. Well, you know, what was the mission? What was our what was our goal? That was never really truly defined. We went in to get bin Laden to crush terrorism. OK, you're never really going to be able to defeat terrorism. That's an ideology. You cannot snuff out an ideology. You can bomb them into oblivion, but you're just making more enemies down the line because this little Afghani kid is going to know that, hey, my daddy was in Al Qaeda or my daddy was with the Taliban and the Americans killed him. Guess what? I'm going to go fight against the Americans. This is going to go on forever and ever. Taliban has only or excuse me, Afghanistan has only known war and chaos. That's just what they do. That's what they've been doing since the beginning of time. And it's just life in the Middle East, man. And we're not going to change these people, even with 20 years. But I've heard the saying that, you no, know, we need to stay over there so we can keep them from coming over here, which I absolutely agree with as well. Like I, said, I don't have the answer. Nobody does. Everyone thinks that they know, but nobody really knows. We like to think and believe that we're smarter than we really are, but there is no easy solution to this thing either way. And I say it's just a sad and tragic situation that continues to unfold. See, what we also have to realize is the country was initially going to fall. But what bothered me was seeing military age males at the airport rushing to get out of their country, rushing to leave 
to get to America, not wanting to stay and fight. And see, I said, I've not been to Afghanistan, but I've read enough books and I've talked to enough people. See, we, you all have to understand is the culture in Afghanistan is different. See, it's not about loyalty to their country. It's about loyalty to their tribe. It's not it's never been about the country. And see, the other thing you got to realize is the Afghanis, they don't operate on the same premises and principles and beliefs as we do. They are they go from whatever is the new shiny cool thing in town. And for the last 20 years, the cool new shiny thing in town has been the Americans. And guess what the Americans have? The, the Americans have money. I've heard the stories of soldiers operating in the area and they provide these guys with weapons and all types of other stuff. And they give no, they give them money. And what do the Afghanis do? They go and take the equipment and sell it for more money. Because it's not about nationalism and patriotism for them. It's about survival. There is no loyalty to the country of Afghanistan. Like I said, it is all about loyalty to their tribe and taking care of themselves and what they can get out of the situation. And now guess what's going on? The Taliban is taking over. The Taliban are now the new shiny cool object in town. And these guys know that for a fact, all they got to do is lay down arms. Guess what? I'm going to join the Taliban. Why? They're going to pay me. And I'm going to get chicks. Literally pretty much what is going on right now. It's that simple. It's that simple. And anybody that's been to the Middle East, anybody that's deployed anywhere that's been to any other side of the world knows that we're different here in America. Our morals and principles are way, way different. And see, we value our women over in this country. Afghanistan is not the same. And so that's why I was not surprised to see tons of middle age or tons of uh, military age males not picking up arms to go back and fight against the Taliban because they're going to take the path of least resistance. They are in total control and rule of Afghanistan now. So why die fighting for not what they see their country, but their tribe? Like I said, it's sad, man. It's absolutely sad. And I just hate seeing men flee from a fight absolutely hate it i see hate seeing men not taking care of women i hate seeing men not being men and that disturbs me and that's a i feel like that's another issue we have in this country right now you know like last week i saw a video of an event that happened in uh portland oregon there's this christian church they were having some sort of church event down on the river i believe well guess what happens everybody's favorite anti-fascist group antifa comes out and they hold a counter protest. And not only that, they proceeded to attack these people in the midst of their church event, throwing bombs and causing all sorts of chaos and hurting people. And these Christian men, strong Christian men, as they would like to make you think they are, stood by and watched while members of their flock and women and children were hurt by these cowards and terrorists with their face covered wearing all black known as Antifa. I want y'all to listen to these uh, clips right here. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Can you tell us what happened? Um, so we were about to have a worship event and uh, Antifa just rolled in like an angry mob, started throwing flash bombs at everybody, macing everybody, rotten eggs at everybody, um, black paint. Um, they threw a flash bomb into a group of kids that were out there um, from like four months old to like ten. Um, yeah, they were ruthless. Where is your God now? Man, that tells you what kind of evil we are up against. But not just that. How do you call yourself a man or a Christian and sit back and watch and let all of this happen? How do you let Antifa, these punks, come to your church event and hurt your people, your wives and your children, man. Like I say, now, I don't know all the facts, but from what I saw, I saw a group of Antifa and I saw a group of men standing around recording this event and nobody going to stand up and fight back against these wimps that cover their faces and cower in the face of real men. Not one. That is disturbing. How can you call yourself a Christian when you let your church and your God be assaulted and insulted over and over like that? Man, these people went up and took their speakers and threw them into the river and nobody did anything about it. They just let Antifa waltz in and have their way with their church and their women and their children. Uh, maybe I'm being too. No, I'm not. No, I'm not being too harsh. See, we have an epidemic going on in this country with weak men. You see it in our leadership. You see it at the top of leadership in every facet in this country. Everybody's gone so woke and everybody has gone the exact opposite of what it means to be a man. We have made being a man a toxic thing. Well, this church could have used some toxic men that day. They definitely could have. They needed some testosterone to step in there and handle business and protect the flock, protect the women, protect the children, keep them from getting hurt. But what what do they do? Nothing. They stand there you know, and they beg and plead for the mob. We have children here. And then to make it even worse. You hear somebody saying, I pray peace upon you in the name of Jesus. Now, that's not a bad thing, but best believe if you are coming to me my family, my church, my friends, and you are physically hurting people, I am not going to stand back and tell you, I pray peace upon you in Jesus Christ's name. I'm going to give you a Holy Trinity ass whooping. That's what I'm going to give you. You will regret and rule the day that you step to my family, my friends, and my church members to hurt us. You know, and I tell people, I am not the toughest, the strongest, the smartest, the manliest. I don't have the most skills of any man. But I am not going to sit back and just watch while a terrorist attack takes place in front of me and hurts the people I love, especially women and children. I might not be able to stop them all. I might not be able to save everyone, but I'll be damned if I'm just going to sit there and let you have your way without any sort of resistance. You're going to feel my presence one way or another, and you will regret the choice that you have made. And I tell you, you can pray for peace all day. But you better be ready to do unspeakable violence to protect your family, your friends and your flock. 
And what happened in this video was an absolute disgust. What has happened to having strong Christian men in the church that are ready to protect the church, the women, the children? What has happened? You know, another podcast I just started listening to is called the Undotted, Undotted Life Podcast. It's hosted by a guy named uh, Kyle Thompson, and he calls this a man's podcast. And one of his first episodes that he did was called Pussies in the Pews. And one of the biggest things he was talking about in the podcast was the fact that men within the church, we focus too much on the Lamb of God. See, the Lamb of God is the Lamb, the cute little sensitive, precious Lamb of God that loves and saves everybody. But we some odd reason neglect the Jesus Christ and God as the Lion of Judah. The lion that went into the temple and turned over the tables. The lion of Judah that does not take crap from people, man. The lion of Judah. What is a lion? The lion is the king of the jungle. Nobody's supposed to mess with the lion. What has happened to the lion of Judah within the Christian church? And you see, I love the Bible. I read the Bible. And that, well, I'm not going to lie. I don't read the Bible as much as I should. Pardon me. But I do partake in it, you know, and the biggest thing for me is I see stuff in the Bible. There's some things I see. I question. There's some things I see that I don't know because I'm not a Bible scholar. Yo, but I don't take the Bible as literal. And some people really do. Like there's one verse that says if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. But does not actually mean to go out and chop your hand off. Does not mean that, but you have people that take it as such in a literal sense, you know, and when I was listening to Antifa attack and watching that video and I heard the guy saying, I play, I pray peace upon you in Jesus Christ's name as this group of physically attacking them. I thought about the verse that uh, it's a Matthew 5, 38 through 9 says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek. Turn to them and give them the other as well. See, people take that in a literal sense. And it is not to be taken in a literal sense to say that if somebody attacks you, you don't defend yourself. and You don't stand up and protect your yourself, your family and your church and your children. That is not in a literal sense. And I think people have taken that in a literal sense. You do not just let people come into your home, especially your church home and attack you and hurt you. There is no way, no way that you can justify with any Bible verse just sitting and letting somebody hurt you and your family and you just sitting and watching. And I pray the blood of Jesus on you, brother. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus on you after I whoop your ass. You know, and one thing he was talking about in his podcast, The Undone of Life, was just how sissified men in the church have become. And I absolutely agree. It, I see so many sissified men within the pews and leadership in church. And it's it's a turnoff. And I see why more men don't come to church, because when you go to church, and you see other men. You want to see men that you can identify with that look like, hey, this is a man just like me. And I'm not saying we all got to be the same burly mask, super masculine. And, you know, we just rough and rugged and raw every day, yo, but. A man is able to recognize another man. And I gravitate towards other men that are like that, that are alpha, that are dominant, that are rugged, that know how to fight, that are not saying the greatest shape, yo, but you're not just going to just sit back and be 
and be an observer. You're not just going to sit back and watch people get hurt. And I feel like we have too many softies now in the pews or as a uh, Tom, Mr. Thompson said, too many pussies in the pews, man. And I absolutely agree. And, and, and it's a turnoff because you go to church and you don't feel sometimes like you belong because you I, I see myself and I know how I am. And I'm not saying that all churches have men that are sissies, sissified and punks. I'm not saying that but there are men in my church that I see that I'm like, yeah, this guy knows what's up. I'm cool. I can rock with him. But there's not as many of those guys as I would like for it to be. There's not. You know, When I think of a man, I think of warfighters like Tim Kennedy, Jocko Willick. I mean, and those are, that's the extreme, man. But I think of somebody as myself. I am not, like I say, I am not the strongest the best of, you know, at any of that. I don't practice fighting that much, but I, you know, I'm in decent shape. And if something happens, I can take action and I can handle business. But I don't see that from a lot of men in churches. A lot of men I see at churches all over where if something happens, I feel like they would have run and hide instead of getting up and trying to fight back. You know, we have way too many woke, skinny jean wearing, man bun having, sensitive manicured soy boys that are leading churches not willing to step up and do what is necessary. And that annoys me. I don't like this soft, sensitive approach to Christianity. I don't see. People think of Christian men and Christianity. They think of soft. Like I say, they think of the Lamb of God, the soft, the sensitive, the protecting and the gentleness. No, no, no. See, what y'all don't realize, if you've read this Bible, you know just how violent the Bible is. You know just how violent the men in the Bible are and how ruthless they are. She even said it at the end of her interview in the clip I played. She said they were ruthless. She was talking about Antifa. My question is, why were the men of the church there not as ruthless back to them in defense of their church and their women and their children? The Bible is filled with violence. The Bible is filled with men doing unspeakable things. And we have guys that are just sitting on the sideline watching. They're using the Bible as a means to not be violent. But if, like I said, if you know the Bible, you know that violence is in the Bible throughout. Take David and Goliath. When the army was scared, David stood up. He went down and faced Goliath. And then what did he do after he killed Goliath? He took Goliath's sword and chopped his head off. One of my other favorite stories from the Bible, the story of Samson. What did Samson do in the Bible? He killed a thousand Philistines with the donkey jawbone. And then after he got taken down by a prostitute, he was captured by the Philistines and they held him prisoner. And what did he do once he was held prisoner? He prayed and asked God for strength to help him take out revenge on the Philistines that captured him. God granted his granted his prayer and Samson pushed the pillars apart, killing himself, but not just himself, but took 3000 people with him, 3000 Philistines with him. He killed them all. And now I'm not saying go on out here and be violent just for the sake of being violent. That is not what I'm saying, saying, but I am saying that the Bible gives you permission to do what you need to do to protect your family, your friends, your loved ones in the church. And like I said, the Bible is full of strong Christian men who are not opposed to violence. The Bible is full of violence. So as a believer and as a man, shouldn't we be full of violence as well and ruthlessness? But see, here's a difference, though. When I say that, I don't mean be full of unnecessary, unprovoked violence. 
I'm not talking about being violent for the sake of being violent. I'm not talking about being violent just to go and harm and hurt people. That because that is not what we do as Christians. We protect people. But I'm talking about being violent out of love for your family, your friends and your flock. Being violent to protect those we love and the things we hold sacred. See, I'm a Christian and I want to love everyone. I want to live in peace with everyone. And I prefer peace over war. But do not mistake my love of peace, my laid back demeanor and my gentleness for weakness. If you try to hurt me, my family or my friends or my flock, I will carry out extreme violence against you. I will hurt you. If need be, I will not hesitate to kill you. But see, what separates me being a man that is able to do violence, that is also a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of Christ, what separates me from somebody that's not is the fact that after I do what I have to do to protect myself, I'm going to try my best to help you. I'm going to pray for you. And I will forgive you. See, that is the difference between doing violence on the half of Antifa versus doing violence to protect yourself from Antifa. See, I'm doing it from a place of love, care and concern for those I love. See, Antifa, that's not the case with them. You know, and I'm not telling people to use violence to go wage war against people that you deem that are unlovable and unsavable or, you know, to wage war against gay people. That is not what we do as Christians. Christians, yo, we do not go wage war for the sake of just waging war. We do it out of love to protect. That's it. If we don't have to be violent, we don't be violent. But if violence comes to you, you better stand ready and man up and knuckle up and handle business. But like I said, we have an epidemic, not just in this country, but in the church as well of men and leaders just not willing to step up and do what they have to do. And my biggest issue also with the churches nowadays, I've, I've talked about it before in the past. Churches have joined in. The cult of wokeness is real, man. And it has infiltrated churches in all across the country. It has infiltrated Christianity deeply and it is concerning. For example, I made a post on Facebook a couple, a couple days ago. And in the post I was talking about, I don't understand how Christians within the church support BLM and wear BLM clothing. Because, you know, you hear people say, well, I support Black Lives Matter the same at the organization. But as I pointed out, you have to look at the origins of things. Where did Black Lives Matter start? Who started it? The people that started Black Lives Matter are communists, trained Marxists. They have said that themselves. They want to destroy the nuclear family. They said that on the website, although they've recently gone back and removed that from the website. I wonder why. I wonder why. Everything about Black Lives Matter is tied into communism and Marxism, which do not go hand in hand with Christianity. So everything that BLM is and everything that communism is stands against you and what you believe as a Christian. So how do you wear a BLM Black Lives Matter shirt into your church and use BLM sayings? How do you do that? Because BLM wants to eradicate your beliefs. BLM wants to eradicate your family. BLM wants to eradicate your way of life. And you are sitting, marching and singing with the band that wants to do away with you. That's like me marching, marching and walking with the KKK. 
That is insane. And we have people that are doing it because they say that, you know, it's not the same. Oh, it's very much the same. It is all rooted in the same ideology. And you're sitting here bringing it into your church. And we have preachers in the pulpit preaching it. That has to go. It cannot happen. There is no way these two ideologies can dwell together. BLM and Christianity and Marxism. It just does not work. Second Corinthians 614 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We have allowed darkness to step into the church. We have allowed darkness to sit into our pews. We have allowed darkness to be taught as the good word. And we have people preaching darkness from the pulpit because everybody's getting swept up in the movement and the emotion of it without really knowing the origin of this organization. You know, one of my old churches that I left a while ago, I remember a member from the church posted a video of a black person being hung from a tree. And it had to have been around the time frame of 1930s when it happened. And I remember commenting on the photo of, hey, yeah, what happened to our people was bad. But we have to move on. We have to forgive and move forward. And we got into this long debate back and forth. And I remember this guy, he's black and he's gay. And he told me, a church member told me, you are more Republican than you are a Christian. Like, whoa, 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 bro. What? Time out. Time out. He told me that I was more Republican than I was a Christian. And what did all this spin from? This is a gay black guy telling me this, that I'm not as Christian as him because I'm a Republican. Bizarro world. And this is the type of mentality that has infiltrated the churches. These are the type of people sitting in the pews, teaching your kids on Sunday morning. It's everywhere. Like I said, it's in my church. It's in your church. No, I'm, I really do hope that some churches are pushing back against this. But like I said, a lot of churches have folded and just gone along with the merry bandwagon of woke culture. And Christianity cannot survive and Christianity cannot continue on in such a way. It, there is no way that darkness can live with light like this in the church. And there's going to become a day of reckoning where. A choice and the decision is going to have to be made, you know, and and I can say that about the left and BLM and Antifa. And, and, but I can also say that about people in the church that are on the far right with QAnon. It's almost the same thing. QAnon, they drop a few Bible verses here and there with their messaging. But the, yet they're still putting out confusion and conspiracy theories along with Bible verses. And people think that QAnon is just and of God because of that. And that's not true. No, I'm not a, like I said, biblical scholar. I'm not a pastor or minister, but I just don't think that people within the church should be in support of either of these organizations, BLM, you know, Antifa or QAnon or any other far right movements. We are the people of God. God created all of us in his image. The only thing in churches that we should be concerned about is not black lives matter, white lives matter, but all lives matter. And not just that, as Christians, all souls matter. We should not be following culture standards within the church. We are not here to play the black game or the white game. Churches should not be playing identity politics. We are in the business of saving souls. We don't care what color is attached to the soul. None of that matters. But for some odd reason, we have made it a point 
a talking point in the church. And it continues to go on and on and on and on. And people are buying into it left and right. There is no taking sides, black and white, in God's church. Because we are all God's children. And like I said, we are all created in his image. The only thing we should be concerned about is saving souls. Not what, well, not what a political identity politics game we want to play. You know, and it's getting to that point to where you really have to know and study the word of God for yourself. And like I say, I don't always read my Bible, but I know enough to when I hear some bull crap, I can be like, yo, you know what? That's not right. Like I said, the Bible says study to show thyself approved. But also, I want to go back to the Sermon on the Mound. And one of the things that were Jesus was talking about was watching out for false prophets. It says they come in to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Now let me ask you. With all the craziness in this country last year. When you think of BLM and what fruits has BLM bared? What has BLM sowed? I can tell you from experience. They have sowed hate. Division, violence, death and destruction. Well, that ain't true, Dex. Oh, yeah. Dude, if you look at this country last year, this country pretty much burned down to the ground and nobody said anything about it. Church members, nobody. There were people were choosing sides at that time when there's only one side to be on. You're either on the side of Jesus Christ and his followers or you're not. You can't dwell within both kingdoms of BLM and the church. And I know what you're going to say. Well, not all everybody involved with BLM is bad. I absolutely agree. There are some people within BLM that are probably really good people. But I will also say this. I've been in the streets as a cop for a year. I've yet to have one BLM person come shake my hand, thank me for my service and buy me lunch. Not one. Zero. So, yeah, there's good people. But like I said, I'm not going to cast the everybody in there and say that they're all evil because they're not. I know some people that are that support BLM that are decent people. But I just I'm adamantly against being a firm supporter of BLM and also being in the church. You don't need to be concerned with saving black lives as a Christian. You need to be concerned with saving all souls. See, the whole saving black lives is a carnal thing. But see, we are in a battle against good and evil in this country. Battling against powers of darkness and principalities of darkness right now and we are giving them a foothold in our church because we want to be cool and accepted and liked because we want people you know we want to be involved in politics in the church now and there's no room for that but remember not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So be warned, my Christian brothers and sisters, we are being deceived and we are being taken.
swept up in the politics. We are all guilty of it. I, I've been guilty of it as well. I was in the cult of Trump for many, many years. I still love Trump, but I'm able to step back and be and say, hey, he did this good. He did that bad because you got some people that support Trump and that are on conserv that are conservatives and on the far right that think the man does no harm, no ill. And the man is perfect. And that is far from the truth. There's many things I can pick apart about Trump all day and I can do the same for Biden. However, most of us dwell in this world where we live in the extremes of it's either all in or all out. And we can't say he did good here and bad there. It has to be all good or all bad. And that is not the case with politics. But, you know, politics and policing can be very gray. I can give you one issue and you can give me a solution and we can just go back and forth and tearing down each other's arguments all day. Yo. But there is no tearing down the faith in the word of Jesus Christ in the Bible. There is no gray in the word. Is only good and there's only evil. That, that at the end of the day, that's it. And you have to decide and choose what side you're going to be on. And see, we need church leaders to stand up and lead now more than ever. And we need true believers and followers of Jesus Christ to stand up to woke culture and hold our fellow believers accountable. And let me go ahead and say this. Listen, I understand that. I don't like telling people how to do Christ. I don't like telling people how to be a Christian because all our personal relationship with Jesus Christ is different for all of us. How I serve and how my relationship with Christ is different from somebody else's. It, we, I don't like putting on people how I believe you should operate within the church and such. But there is a point in time where we have to call right, right and wrong, wrong. We have to. And we can't straddle the fence. Matthew 6, 24 says it. You cannot serve two masters for you will love one and hate the other. And I feel like we are trying too hard to straddle the fence in the church to not offend people. And that is not what we should be focusing on. And listen, I know I'm saying all this stuff and Dex thinks he's perfect. He thinks he's a wonderful Christian. I am far, far from it. I, I can tell you I am not the ideal Christian whatsoever. I know my flaws and y'all know me. I don't try to hide them. I have done things in my life that I'm not proud of. And I have done things in my life that I'm going to have to answer to God for on the day of judgment. You know, I like to drink my bourbon. My eyes wonder when I see a nice looking lady walk by. I curse, as y'all can tell. And I have hard and I have a hard time sitting down and reading my Bible. Say, I am not a Bible scholar, but I know where I stand in this time. And there is nothing or no one that can shake my faith. I will be the man and the leader that God has called me to be for my family, my church, my community and my country. And before I leave off this podcast, I want to leave you all with something. It comes from First Timothy five. It comes from First Timothy verses five through eight. It says anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. See, I want to emphasize on the word provide. Since I've done a lot of ranting and rambling on this podcast today in reference to Antifa attacking the church. See, as a man, we are to provide for our families and for our churches. We are to provide safety. We are to provide food, shelter that is required of us as men. And so I think it's time for us 
to put down the Lamb of God and pick up the Lion of Judah and go be the warrior that God has called you to be. See, we have to learn this balance as men and as Christian men. You have to know when to be a lamb. You have to know when to be gentle with your kids. You have to know when to be gentle with people that are unbelievers. You have to know when to be gentle with people who might be hostile towards you. But you also have to know when to switch that flip and become the Lion of Judah. You have to know you have to know when it's time to flip that switch and be ready to act out violence in defense of your family, in defense of your church and your kids. You have to know it is a delicate balance that we have to do as men. But that is a task that we have to learn, because if we are going to grow our families and be worthy of being called men, be worthy of calling ourselves Christian. We have to know how to govern ourselves accordingly. We have to learn how to operate and flow between the lamb and the lion. And a lot of us don't have that. A lot of us are just lambs, but some of us are just all lion all the time. And as I always say, it's not healthy to live in the extremes. Like I said, I'm still working on things myself. I've been more of a lion than I have a lamb. So I am working myself to find that balance. Like I said, I know when to flip the switch, but the problem is sometimes I don't know when to cut it off. So that's something I'm working on. So if I'm calling y'all out, hey, I'm going to hold myself accountable as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iron Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and listen to me get amped up and fired up and rambling speaking the word of God and talking about the latest events going on in the world. As I always say, thank you all for tuning in each and every one of you all that downloads the podcast and listens. I cannot thank you enough. I truly appreciate you. Those that come and leave comments on Apple and those that rate the show. Hey, if you don't like the show and you think I'm full of crap, feel free to get on there and leave me a one star and leave me a bad review. I know what's coming. I welcome them. I don't expect everybody to like and agree with everything I say. That's unrealistic. I have the greatest wife in the world, and even she disagrees with a lot of things I have to say and think. But for the most part, we're on the same page. And hopefully I get her on here on the show soon. But so, like I said, you can listen to the I Am Pitch podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. And now I'm on, I'm on Amazon Music. You can find the I Am Pitch podcast. I'm also on iHeartRadio now and a couple of other apps that I just forgot. I can't remember the names, but I'm getting the show out there. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. Please share. Please rate the show and please leave a review. I love you all. And remember to go forward, be good people and do not be afraid to stand up against evil. Remember, evil only triumphs when good men let it and do nothing. Do not let evil triumph. This has been the Iron Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I will see you on the next one.